0: Welcome to the Bad for Business podcast, brought to you by the Founders Fund. The Bad for Business podcast uncovers the real unfiltered stories behind the success of unconventional, disruptive, and downright bad for business entrepreneurs. I'm your host and badass entrepreneur in charge, Vivian Kay. If you're interested in joining a community of bad for business women identifying founders who also get access to funding, mentorship, and education for your business, visit us at foundersfund.ca to become a member. Today, I'm chatting with Sheena Brady. Sheena Brady is the founder of the Founders Fund. She also works in leadership at Shopify and is the founder of Tease Tea. Sheena has experienced dynamic challenges and barriers throughout her personal life and in business. Sheena somehow managed to fall in love with tea somewhere along the way and then decided to combine her passion and purpose through entrepreneurship. A portion of T's T's proceeds supports organizations dedicated to the empowerment of women through the T's T tea give back program. This includes the Founders Fund which to date has raised over $100,000 to fund women-owned businesses while providing mentorship to over 500 founders across the country. In this episode, Sheena shares how she went from a college dropout to a tea sommelier, and she spills the tea on how she got on the Dragon's Den. Hello, Sheena. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm so excited to do this with you today. I know, right? Let's do
0: this. (laughs) Let's do this. So, okay, I'm going to start from the very, very beginning. I love a good origin story, and I know that you have a great one. So take us back to when you were a kid. What was life like, your family structure, like your hometown, all that? Tell me all about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, my upbringing was definitely, I would say, a little bit complicated, uh, to put it lightly. So I, I grew up in a single parent household with my mom. She had me at the young age of 17. And the analogy that I like to share is, and I, and I love my mom to pieces, and I fundamentally believe that she absolutely gave us the best life she could with what she knew uh, and what she had. And, and I believe that to this day. And she's she's an incredible Incredible mom, and she's a role model in so many ways because of that. But given the nature of her own upbringing and her own circumstances, combined with having me at the age of 17, we both kind of grew up together in a lot of ways. You know, Mm. like I was growing up through childhood while she was growing up through adulthood at the exact same time, right? Right. And she sacrificed, you know, finishing high school to have me. Um, And so, you know, that just kind of made for a, a bit of a complicated upbringing. And we didn't have, there's a lot of love in our home, but there, there wasn't a lot more outside of that. Right. And um, there were times where, you know, things were pretty challenging, but overall, you know, statistically, like if you look at my family history, like I probably shouldn't have even finished high school, let alone go to college. Wow. Yeah. But I was, became the first person in my family to even finish high school um and then when i finished high school i was re- you know most people when they finish high school they're they're fantasizing about okay what's next what College, am I going to go to? What city am I going to move to? Right. Um, but I knew my reality. Um, I had a very unhealthy relationship with debt, particularly because actually I'd seen my mom um, try to be an entrepreneur uh, when I was a little girl. She tried to open up a home salon and she struggled with bankruptcy a few short years later. I saw what that debt did to her. So the thing that I told myself was all debt equals bad. Right. And so I was like, I can't, you know, I can't take on loans to go to school. Um, so I'm going to take a year off and save money and then figure out what to do. But at the time I had a very close family friend of mine. It was my high school sweetheart's mom, Louise, actually. And she was having none of that. She was like, look at, you know, your family history. If you take a year off, it's highly unlikely that you're ever going to go to college at all. And so she found the money within her own family's limited budget to pay for my entire first year of education. Wow. Yeah. And I was totally floored by that. And, um, that in, when I asked her why, and this is like, you know, what I share, when I share the story about my, my origins with people, I was expecting like this big, you know, fluffy answers to why I'm so deserving to have college paid for. And she just answered, well, because why not you? Oh, and that was also said. You? Yeah. And, and that just kind of stuck with me, that audacity. It's like, okay, well, why? Sure. Why not me? Right? Like I deserve an education just like anyone else. I deserve um, the things that I want in life and, and to go after them and pursue them. So um, I carried that audacity with uh, throughout the rest of my young adulthood and, and career. And frankly, to this day. So that's just a little bit about my upbringing.
0: Wow. That's, that's an amazing, I mean, to know, because for those of you who don't know, I know Sheena personally, so I I know that story, but I I don't think I've heard you tell it in this way. And especially with the, the audacity that she instilled in you. So tell me more about this audacity. So you go to, you go to post-secondary school. Um, Did you know while you were there, what you wanted to do? And did did her maybe paying for that first year, give you the audacity to dream bigger?
1: it did give me the audacity to dream bigger but what's interesting and I don't want to fault the education system too much when I say no
0: we're gonna fault the education <laughs> system because it's not beneficial okay. to entrepreneurs no, at all not. it
1: really isn't and especially like I have a late birthday in the year so technically when I graduated high school and then when I was ready for college I was 17 Vivian like who Wait, knows girl, when's your birthday September 19th. So I'm like, a am not lady. that late. I'm November. I know. I know, but, like, but technically, I started that year as a 17 year old in college. Now, just think about that for a second. Who the yeah. heck knows what they want to do hmm. at 17, right? So, while I was super thankful that Louise gave me the opportunity to pursue an education, um, I didn't really know what I, I wanted. But I went to school for, ironically, now that I'm thinking about it, it's very ironic. I went to school for business yeah. and I dropped out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. Because I, you know, I'm just a little little story here. I used to, I went to French immersion from grade uh, okay. six to OAC. And I always say that if I learned French the way, if I learned English the way I learned French, I wouldn't speak Uh, English as well as I do. So same thing with business. I'm pretty sure if you had gone to business school, Mm -hmm. you or if you had completed that, you would not have the same chops as you do now because you come from the school of hard knocks.
1: Oh yes, (laughs) and the school of doing right instead of reading. And that's really yeah yeah, exactly. And so I went to school for business, ironically, because it just felt like um, a good translatable. Education to have to many things, right? Um, but yeah, I dropped out a year into it uh, because it was way more difficult than I thought. And I guess I just wasn't ready for that shock of like high school versus college, the huge difference at such a point, and being only 17 years old. So I dropped out. And at that time, like I obviously needed to work and I felt like I had let Louise down, obviously, as well, because like that was her investment in me. And I dropped right. out. Um, but I found uh, work abroad on a resort. I worked in Turks and Caicos for. I would say six or seven months. And so they were looking for servers, North American servers to come in and teach the locals North American hospitality, basically. Cause this was an Island that was very new to tourism
0: specifically.
1: Um, It was the capital Island of Grand Turk. So I went there as like a service leader, I guess. And I was there to help train North American standards to um this local resort and I, I thought t- during that process I was like I really like this I really like hospitality I really like hospitality leadership I like you know teaching and coaching people on you know this hospitality standards and all of that so when I left I actually went back to school for hotel restaurant management and I graduated this
0: time uh, yeah I did see. it so
1: I graduated in hospitality management and that is where I then spent the following 10 years uh, in hospitality leadership working in incredible cities like New York City, San Francisco, which ultimately led me to Toronto, uh, which is where I kind of fell into the world of tea and started TST. Tea.
0: So that's how, okay, well, let's get into the, let's get into like, okay, so let's get into the TST. Tea. So you went to the beautiful Turks and Caicos, sh- shout out to Turks and Caicos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you went to Turks and Caicos, you had some real hands on experience. It, it led you to traveling all over North America to basically refine your skill. So, then what led to that light bulb moment of creating a business out of tea?
1: Yeah. So, Let's remember I was a hospitality professional, right? And so that brought me to building. Okay, so first of all, I was asked to build the biggest tea program in all of Toronto at the Shangri-La Hotel. Ooh. And right, fancy.
0: Fancy.
1: But, but I didn't even drink tea, Vivian. Oh, ain't that always the, that's always the <laughs> <Right>? case. <laughs> yeah, well, and the, the, re, the real story is that I actually am also a professional wine sommelier. And so when I said to the general manager at the time at the hotel, I said get me on your wine list like I want to build your wine list this was and I was excited this creative outlet and this thing I was passionate about and I was met with oh, no we have a master sommelier in training and uh you know he basically implied my cert my little certification in wine wasn't good enough and he said but you can build our tea program and that's when I was like oh so you want me to pick some Liptons and red rose and like just like call it a day <laughs> I do that. right exactly I'm like no big deal I'll show this guy and then I was met with Well, no, actually, because we want the biggest PR worthy tea program in all of the city. And you need to not only source a minimum of 75 different tea blends from around the world, um, but you need to create service standards so that if a Japanese family comes in and they want a Japanese tea ceremony, the team knows how to do that. If you have a Chinese family that comes in same thing there there are very big cultural differences between the way uh different cultures like their tea prepared and you need to not only know this we need to train the team to execute on it and I was like oh gosh that's actually a lot of work so especially considering I didn't even drink tea but I was so adamant on proving myself Mm. to this general manager this dude who wouldn't even let me get my hands on the wine list who didn't trust me I was like okay I need to like over deliver with this
0: we're going to show this Chad. Or, exactly. Yeah, and we're going to show him.
1: He was, he was a Chad. He was, he was a total a Chad. Chad. Uh-huh. But that could be a story. A for fancy
0: another. one, though. That's a another fancy episode. Chad. Oh, and That's a whole a, other episode. He was a
1: Chad with well, a charming British accent.
0: Oh, a Chadwick. A Chadwick. A <laughs> Chadwick.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so I knew I needed to become educated about tea, considering I didn't even drink it. So I became a certified tea sommelier, which is a real thing. And... This was an eight month program. And what was really cool about learning about tea, what I didn't expect is that it was similar to my passion for wine. So the nerdiness about wine translated to tea, how the soil climate Geography, it all affects the final product. And let's just face it, like the hospitality industry is incredibly demanding. Um, I was, I wanted a bit of a creative outlet, a bit of a creative escape. And so I knew it was easier to like experiment blending teas out of my tiny condo than it was to like experiment making wine out of my tiny condo in Toronto. And so that's, that's what I did. And it was just for me, it was just a creative outlet, something I enjoyed learning about. And um, for my friends and family, sometimes I would share my blends with them, um, but they loved what I was doing. And it just pushed me. to to keep creating something more, more bigger and more intentional.
0: Okay. So tell me about that transition. Tell me how you got that, again, that, that light bulb moment that said, you know what, I'm done being an employee. I'm -hmm. going to strike it on on my own and be a hashtag entrepreneur.
1: Yeah. So obviously when you start creating a side hustle, it's a very long time before you're able to pay a lot of the bills. Right. And so the hospitality, so to answer your first question about the light bulb moment when I wanted to put it into like a real business, At the time in the world of tea, I didn't see the representation in the tea world that spoke to me, meaning you could have a David's tea in every shopping mall in my personal opinion, that was kind of like the gateway drug to tea in a lot of ways. It was just like <laughs> super mainstream, right. super accessible, almost like, you know, when you have a lot of your blends that are laced with like gummy bears and sprinkles and gumballs and artificial flavors and sugars. And that just didn't speak to me.
0: Right. Cause you're and a tea sommelier. It's a
1: sommelier but yeah. on the flip side, when I would walk into a store, like a Tavana, even as a tea sommelier, I would be a little overwhelmed because their shelves were stocked with these beautiful teas celebrating the traditions and like, you know, where it came from and how it was processed. And it was almost like information overload as a Mm. selling point. Mm -hmm. And my reality was working in hospitality, working 12 hour shifts a day, I just wanted tea to make me feel good. So, cause I knew, however you feel, there's a tea for that. Um, so whether you want to reduce stress or sleep better, improve digestion if you're eating too much, reduce PMS symptoms. I knew from my education in tea that, there was all different types of herbal ingredients to support this. And so that's the light bulb moment. I was like, I want to create a company that's like that middle ground between the Davis and the Tavanas that speaks to women like me that just want tea to make them feel good. And so that, that was where it really started. It was like, however you're feeling, we have a tea for that. Um, And so that's kind of how it started. And then also combining my own values, I guess you could say TC was a social enterprise before I even knew what that word meant. I just knew from my complicated upbringing and the, Lack of support I had um, throughout my journey that I wanted to be a part of a bigger support system for others, uh, for other women particularly. So that's where, from shelters to startups, from a very early time at TC, we've been giving back with every purchase to different programs dedicated to empowering women.
0: Okay, wow, that is this is a this has been a journey so far, and uh, you know when they you know you know in popular culture when they talk about tea, usually when you know when you spill the tea, <laughs> it's because you're being messy. So what was like has there ever like what kind of resources of support would have been useful like when you spilled the tea in your business so um like what actually tell me about a time when you spilled the tea in your business like literally spilled the tea and messed up or when I, I yeah whatever works oh my gosh <laughs> so many like well, what? i know we only got time for what
1: Oh my gosh. So when TC, like TC really started, so it's almost seven years old, right? I just want to give context because it's everything. It's not like TC just turned into a success overnight by any means. But by 2017, 2018, things were really popping. Like things were taking off. We were doing very well. I had like full time employees. um, And I should say, sorry, full time employee. I had one full time employee. That person was also my husband. And we, had a baby. And oh,
0: yeah, that'll mess things up. <laughs> that'll mess things up real
1: fast. <laughs> and so I don't know what I was thinking, but I wasn't succession planning to say the least. And so here I was in labor to deliver this baby. And I had a $50,000 purchase order that was stuck in customs because of FDA paperwork that I messed up. And it was wow. just stuck there. And it was about to not make it to my client in time, who theoretically had the right to turn it right back around and send it back to us if it didn't meet their deadline. Meaning I would sit on $50,000 of inventory that it would probably take me a good year or two to sell. And this is when I'm in labor and I'm fighting with like customs agents and, you know, trying to negotiate new terms with my client and contractions and and like all this stuff. (laughs) And this was supposed to be the most, you know, joyous day of my life, bringing in a little tiny human, but here I am fighting with customs people. And so, and that was because of a mistake that I made on my own I, I, I had just given sloppy paperwork to be frank because I was ready to have a baby you know a week before and I'm just like get this at the door yeah. yeah and so that was that was a huge huge mess up but f- um, fortunately I was able to after a lot of work like just negotiate better uh, terms with my client and they, they took it at a later delivery date so it ended up working out well um, but in that moment it was it was terrifying it was an awful mistake and I've learned the importance of, of proper succession planning and delegating since then so. oh
0: proper succession planning and delegating Those are, I think, those are the, that's that's the story of my life as well. If it makes you feel any better. Yeah. Okay. So, Sheena, how did you prepare for this huge opportunity? And that opportunity being Dragons Den. Like, how did you prepare? What did you do?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that's really important to share is that this was actually the third time I had pitched TST to the business, uh, the business to the show rather. Um, so it's not wow. like, yeah, it's not like you know we got accepted right away. Um, it was the third time in a row, that third year in a row rather. And basically what we did is we filled out the application like anybody has to do online. And when I got an email from the producer to schedule a call, I was actually shocked. I, was, I, I thought, oh, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is actually possibly going to happen. Um, and so the producer was very honest with me. She said, you know, we've had so many tea companies on the show. Like we've had dozens. So I can't guarantee anything that it's going to come from this because it's going to be a hard sell. So you'll have to make your pitch super unique. And so I said, okay, bring it on. So that's how it started.
0: Wow. Okay. So what did it feel like pitching? Like, were you surprised by the dragon's reactions? Like what did you do that made you stand out?
1: Yeah. So what we did to stand out funny enough, never even made it to TV. So that's probably. Oh, So another really important thing to share is, like, when you're in front of the dragons, we were in there, I want to say at least, okay, first of all, it felt like four hours, but it was probably at least a solid hour. And so I get it. Like, they have to take that hour of footage, and in my personal opinion, what feels like an interrogation, and somehow splice it into seven minutes. Of oh, footage. Wow. yeah wow. so I get it so our our um, pitch itself we had a minute long pitch they even cut that down to 15 seconds uh, and then the thing that we did that was unique was we basically prescribed a tea blend for every personality uh, every personality type of the dragons <laughs> yeah exactly it was fun <laughs> and we made some like fun comments like we, we said Jim is you know the organic breakfast at Tiffany's it's bold and you know classic iconic and rich just like him uh and then for you know the spicy dragon of the bunch we prescribed him our pms mood stabilizer. <laughs> so that stood out and got a few laughs and that was really the pitch to the producers that let us get on the show to pitch that exact same thing in front of the oh, dragon. Okay. so that's okay. how we how we stood out yeah.
0: okay so what was the best part of this whole experience
1: I think the best part of the whole experience was you know being recognized on national television on cdc mm-hmm. for our work um, as a business uh, and you know between tasty and founders fund and it's you know seven years now that we've we've been in business so to be recognized on this type of national scale was incredibly humbling and also I'm just going to say like I've been watching Dragonstone for like over 10 years now and their set has leveled up like 20 times this season because it was very like grungy you know, industrial Denny vibes. Like I get it, like that's what they were going for. But now it's like this boss bank with like the production quality of Sh- of Shark Tank in a lot of ways. So that was really cool oh, to be a part yeah. of that first uh, season in this new set.
0: Right. Well, just so everyone knows, Dragon's Den is the OG to yes. Shark Tank. So, you know, just in case you were wondering. It's it not like Dragon's first. Den. Yeah, no, Dragon's Den came first. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, then they brought it down to the state. So just as, as an FYI. So Sheena, what was the worst part? Cause I'm sure it wasn't all good. I'm sure it wasn't all good. So what was the worst part of your Dragon's Den experience?
1: Oh my goodness. So, you know, here we are thinking that we're killing it at first, right? Like the first 10, 20 minutes of the 60 minutes were in there pitching. Um, you know, they love the tea, they love the brand, they love the product. And we're like, oh, we got this in the bag. Like they're, they, they're eating at the palm of our hands. They're, they're going to be fighting over us. Obviously not what happened. Uh, and I think the worst part was <laughs> <laughs> we have to remember this is TV, right? It's not real life. And so they obviously had to create some fun moments for TV. That's what, it, that's what it is. At the end of the day, it's a TV show. And so they really went in on some personal attacks towards me as a founder. Oh, yeah. So that was really No hard.
0: they didn't. Yeah, they did, Vivian.
1: It was hard. <laughs> and it was tough because again, like I've been watching the show for over a decade myself and you know, you you have these dragons that you kind of mentally put on a pedestal in a way, right? And right. so, you know, they they mean something to you, but then to not have that reciprocated when you meet them. Uh, it was tough. And I guess my inner people pleaser was also just, you know, my ego was shot a little bit. I thought, wow, okay, this, this is brutal. Um, They're, they, it's far from all of them fighting over TST and and the work that I've done to get this business to this point. And some very critical feedback. I think some fair feedback in fairness to the dragons, um, but some tough love nonetheless. And that was really hard.
0: Oh, that must- Go ahead.
1: Yeah, sorry. And I'll I'll actually say like the most, the worst part, obviously, because that's the point of your question um, was-
0: Wait, wait, that wasn't the worst part.
1: (laughs) No, that wasn't. (laughs) That wasn't the worst part. Yeah, so we went in um, with a valuation that wasn't disputed, and I knew it was high, and they didn't argue with it. So we asked for uh, three hundred thousand dollars for ten percent of the company, which means we valued the company at three million. And it's rare you have companies of that size on the show, and they didn't dispute it. So it seemed like I had the numbers to back it up, which was great. Um, so I guess to me, the worst part of the show was really when they came back with you know this predatory deal of taking over fifty percent of the company, or you know. That was tough. That was the worst part. It was t- so gross, not expected at all. And um, you know, the the reality is like for us, it was important to make sure that we kept the happy ending going, you know, again, remembering it's a TV show. So we we said yes um on national TV, which I'm sure a lot of people raise their eyebrows at home and <laughs> were like yeah.
0: Fuck, no, crazy. my eyebrows were in my hairline. They were, right? up they were up there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure there are many people like you sitting at home on their couch, being like, "Okay, that girl just gave up half her company. Is she out of her mind?" But again, remembering that it's TV and not real life, uh, we knew that by saying yes, it at least put us in a position to have conversations after the show to ideally right. negotiate something that works better for both parties. Because right. nothing's legally binding on that show. Right. Zero
0: right it's like the bachelorette like you don't really get married to those people
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right I don't know <laughs> right? exactly yeah. okay so um you know you were on national television you got hit by a sneaky offer like what was the lesson that you learned from this experience
1: well, Vivian, you and I talked about this a lot leading up to it. You know, we recorded Dragon's Den in September and I definitely, you know how we're all terrible at taking our own advice. I always tell people like, stop worrying about shit you have zero control over.
0: Right, right, right.
1: This was exactly that. I had zero control over how they were going to take 60 minutes, turn it into seven and what the portrayal of me as an entrepreneur and my company was going to be on national TV i had zero control. But you know what? Honestly, I had in crazy anxiety about it.
0: Well, I mean, understandably so. Yeah. Understandably. So like you're, you put yourself in a position, not that, you know, you purpose, like yeah, I guess you did. You put your, per- <laughs> you purposely put yourself in a position for a business that you've built over the past seven years to be criticized. Exactly. Right, that's like that's like someone talking about your kid, right? Yeah. It's so it's understandable that you were, you know, you help, you felt anxiety and all that.
1: And it was a brutal spiral that was difficult to get out of. Some days because you know I, I kept replaying like every possible bad thing that they said or constructive thing, whatever you want to call it, and thought, okay, what is going to go on TV? And I kept thinking about it over and over and over. I lost sleep about it. I, I overthank it way too much. And, uh, it obviously wasn't good for like my mental health or anything like that. And so I think like that was probably the hardest lesson from this experience is like, I need to start getting better at taking my own advice and, you know, really recognize that if there are circumstances I have little to no control over, like, you know, move on, you know, and do the best that I can to do that.
0: Yeah. Like control the things you can control, which is yourself. Right. Right. Okay. So, you know, if you spent like an hour in that room, there's got to be some funny moments in there. Like there's got to be some stuff that you're just like, LOL. Oh my gosh. (laughs) What tell me about any of those moments?
1: There's so many. Uh, Okay. My favorite moment. So, you know, being on TV wasn't my first rodeo. Like I've done a lot of, I've been, I've been the tea girl on the news many times, the professional tea sommelier on national TV, local TV. Um, But I'm normally not really talking about my business. I'm just talking about tea, but I've done enough media to know the do's and don'ts. I took for granted that Amanda who pitched with me didn't. (laughs) That same experience.
0: (laughs) Oh, please don't tell me. Please don't tell me.
1: So when we go into what they call the rat pit, I think it's called. So the rat pit for context on dragons Den, for those who don't know, it's the room that you get to go in to talk about a deal, you know, where the dragons supposedly can't hear you. And so when we got offered that ridiculous deal, we obviously talked about it in the rat den and Amanda thought that no one could hear us or see us for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah Wait,
0: <laughs> hey, you got what would she say what would she say what would she say you gotta say
1: it so she's my hype coach right like she's right. constantly always trying to keep me up and that's what i love love about shout her. out to
0: amanda shout out to amanda
1: See, big shout out to amanda like anytime i'm having a rough day like girl knows how to bring me back um oh, she's incredible at that and that's what she was doing she's trying to be my hype woman and uh so she's just you know she's like you know it's okay it doesn't really matter like these dragons money isn't everything they're not gods doesn't matter and that was hilarious I was just like oh by the way you have some lipstick in your teeth like again just trying to you know, <laughs> have my back and I just looked at her with like these big googly eyes because again you don't know what's real life and not real life in that such weird moment and I was like does she not realize that there's a camera guy out there and her mic is still on and she's going wow. off dropping f-bombs talking about how these dragons aren't gods and I got lipstick in my teeth and all this stuff and so that for me was a hilarious lol moment and I was like oh man part of that is definitely going to end up on national tv and sure enough it was the comment that she made where she said you know what they're not gods it's okay I know. I know. I see your excitement. Sorry, my, like, mouth yeah, your you <laughs> my mouth is hanging open. You guys <laughs> can't see. My mouth
0: is hanging open.
1: But you know what? The way that she said it, it was so classy and supportive. And... Oh, they caught the
0: classy Amanda. Oh, good. Yes, they caught
1: classy <laughs> Amanda. Yeah, not gangster Amanda. They caught classy Amanda because um, it could have gone gangster sideways like real fast. To be honest, the way she was like spitballing. Um, so yeah, she came across as she just came across as an incredibly supportive supportive, sophisticated, polished, experienced COO, and who had my back as a founder. And I couldn't have asked for a more supportive moment. So it was an LOL moment, like in September when we were recording, like, did that really happen? But when it actually translated to TV, fortunately, the producers, I guess, decided to show us some grace and made sure that, you know, it it was, you know, it was shared in a refined way.
0: Right. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad for that. I, I can't wait to watch. Um, Okay, so Sheena, with all that said, what makes you bad for business?
1: Yeah, I thought about this question a lot. And, you know, we were talking earlier about my challenging upbringing and everything. And I think, honestly, what ultimately makes me bad for business is that statistically, I just shouldn't be here. And I, yeah, I genuinely just feel I'm bad for business because I absolutely refused to believe that I needed, you know, a degree or a wealthy family or even quit my full-time career just to build a successful business. Um, I think I was constantly reminded of my lack of resources as a kid, whether it was not being able to afford field trips like the other kids or the fact that no one in my family had ever completed high school, uh, let alone college. And so I could have easily shrunk myself to fit... Uh, the- that I was brought up in you know that experience to actually become the fuel and motivation uh for my desire to succeed and prove you know everyone in the statistics wrong did you catch that or did it cut
0: I don't know because for me you cut out and roboted oh no yeah let's do it again yeah you know what can we do that again yeah I have it written down yeah okay cool okay Okay, so Sheena, with all that being said, what makes you bad for business?
1: Yeah, I I love this question. I thought about it a lot. And I think quite simply, it's that statistically, I shouldn't be here, Vivian. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we talked earlier about my upbringing and how it was a bit challenging. And I think I'm simply bad for business because I absolutely refuse to believe that I needed a degree or a wealthy family. Um, or that I even needed to quit my job to build a successful business. Um, I was constantly reminded of my lack of resources as a kid, and whether it was not being able to afford field trips like all the other kids or the fact that no one in my family completed high school, let alone college, I guess I could have just easily shrunk myself to fit that mold um, that I was brought up in. But you know, instead, I allowed that experience to become my fuel and my motivation to succeed and prove all the people in the statistics wrong. Right god
0: damn it but you know what it's okay that, okay that's we fine. got it on time right? yeah we got yeah it came sorry. all it, like we literally had a, <laughs> a heartbeat of silence and then it was and it was fine okay okay, okay so um you know what let's just say goodbye <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we have to, give us some silence we need some silence sorry, sorry sorry okay sorry hey
0: sorry. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Sheena. That was this. Okay. This was amazing. It was mind blowing. It was, I, I felt like a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster ride with yeah. the whole Dragon's Den thing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: My pleasure, Vivian. This was so much fun.
0: And I think that's it.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Perfect.
0: Hopefully that works, hopefully yeah. that works, so.
1: Awesome. Um, that should be good. Um, yeah, it should be good. Oh, okay. Can I ask you to ask like one more question, if that's oh, okay? Sure, I don't sure. understand it all, I just realized. Oh. And then maybe. Even in, okay, okay. Did I, in their first one? Maybe just saying like one of the other surprises of the Dragon's Den was how it seemed difficult for them to understand social impact.
0: Okay. So, okay. I know what to ask. Okay. So was there a moment while you were on dragons Den that you had to have, you had to like, you know, explain something like you were five. Like, I know even when I'm trying to explain founders fund to some people, it's always like, you know what I gotta, let me just break it on down and and explain it. Did you have that moment on, on dragons Den?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that was the biggest, you know, cha- perceived challenge of the entire pitch is that the Dragons couldn't possibly wrap their mind around the fact that I had this tea company, but I also had a secondary sister company called Founders Fund, and that just didn't compute with them. And I tried to explain social impact, and you know, explaining to them that. You know, basically, how Founders Fund started as this modest giveback program under TST and then blew up into something bigger. And we really wanted to nurture that in our commitment to support underrepresented women identifying entrepreneurs. And their whole thing was like, you can't, you shouldn't be doing both. Like, you should be focusing on one business and make sure you have all the wrinkles ironed out before you dare start another venture. And it's like, no, it's not like I was just starting another business for the sake right. of it and yeah. woke up, decided yeah. to do that. But side note, how many businesses do they all own collectively, right? So I, <laughs> I <didn't laughs> yeah, they
0: didn't quite, they didn't quite get it. They didn't quite that understand that is uh, an e-commerce, you know, is more e-commerce based, whereas this is a digital accelerator. Exactly. Very different businesses. And they
1: tried when they were being critical about me as a founder, like that's really the angle that they zeroed in on that I was this, you know, perceived as this unfocused founder because I had competing interests between both organizations. And so that was so tricky and challenging to have to explain.
0: Yeah, I would. I'm offended for you. My feelings are hurt for you because I would be insulted, too, because they don't know you, Sheena. They don't know you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, so Sheena, what are three words that you would like people to associate with you? I think tenacious should be one of them. Tenacious is
1: a good one. Yeah. Yes. You've got
0: that tenacity. Tenacity. T. Like get that. it? You get it? Yeah, this is so good. Oh, okay, okay, I'm gonna put that,
1: right. that in my back pocket. That could be a new product. Yeah, you tenacity. Can that. Tea yeah. It's so yeah, good. You can that. That's aligned with our new tea that's coming out called Aim Chai. <laughs> i was <laughs> sucker for a good. Pine. That's
0: a great mom joke. Yeah, I know. I'm just
1: like, a, such a sucker <laughs> for a good. Pine.
0: Terrible, that's terrible.
1: I know. Okay. Um, oh yeah, the other two. Okay, so the other two words. I'm just gonna like put them together. This is actually what I be. I'm. I'm kind of called around the office, but intensely kind. Ah. <laughs> So I can be intense, you know, like I'm a very intense person. You'll never have to guess how I'm feeling or how I'm doing or what mood I'm in. Like, I I just kind of show up as my whole self. Like I'm just, Mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm worried about something, like we're going to talk about it. Um, If I'm happy about something, I'm probably going to be over, you know, over the moon and almost crying about it. Like I'm emotional to a fault. Um, But as intense as I can be, uh, or I am rather there is a there's a a deeply rooted kindness there. Um, And it's just that's, I don't know, so intensely kind. It's like, even though I'm an intense person, there's a lot of kindness behind it. There's a lot of high trust assumed behind it. And that's my love language is small gifts, by the way. So when we talk about like, how do you make, you know, team members feel special and appreciated, I'm not the kind that's gonna gush over you and validate you with words of affirmation. Like that's just, that's not my style. That's not like the kind of leader I am that doesn't come authentic or natural, but I'll do it in other ways. So like during the pandemic, when it first hit, you know, I I gave like the, the team here gas cards for their gas, like for coming in during the pandemic or um, uh, just being incredibly mindful that, you know, my sister who works here full time has two children and her daycare shut down and that's going to turn her whole world upside down. And uh, I'm going to have to be more mindful of like my expectations and making sure that like she gets the support that she needs. And so, you know, finding ways to do that, like I, you know, covering some of the, the, um, extra costs that come with that or whatever. So all that to say, intensely kind, that's, those are the two words I think associate along with tenacity. That, that's a good way to summarize it.
0: Oh, great. So Sheena, what makes you bad for business? I
1: keep showing up even when I probably shouldn't. I think that's, what it is. <laughs> and I mean, in the best way, like I keep showing up, like throughout my whole you know journey from childhood to who I am as a woman and career, everything today, uh, keep showing up, even when you're underestimated, even when people say you don't have a real business, you just have a hobby, even when people challenge your leadership, um, keep showing up and just keep trying to do better. I didn't have everything figured out from day one, but I've been learning since day one.
0: That's that tenacity.
1: That's right. That's
0: that's fascinating. Well, thank you ever, ever so much for joining me, Sheena. My pleasure, Vivian. This is great. This has been another episode of your favorite unconventional and unfiltered business podcast, Bad for Business. I'll see you again next week where I'll be finding out the real stories behind the success of another Bad for Business entrepreneur. Be sure to connect with the Founders Fund community at foundersfund.ca.